morning. So good to be here with you all. I met a few of you. Um, and I have uh, the privilege of having, I don't see my daughter Savannah very often. So this is a real treat for me. Although we're uh, two, two hours and 15 minutes apart, it seems like a world apart when you're crossing all those bridges and tunnels and paying those tolls. So, um, but Savannah and her husband Drew are Risen Christ Fellowship, which is about half an hour from here in Germantown, right? Did I get that right? Yeah. So I'm happy she uh, to spend the time with her and that she's with me. And, um, hope you've had a, a wonderful morning so far. Mm -hmm. And um, Samantha, you will be interested to know where's Ray, right? She is from Smithtown, Long Island. Oh, and she I'm went sure. to Smithtown Gospel <laughs> Tabernacle many years ago. And I said, I knew one person that came from Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle. It was John Grillo. And she oh, goes, really? I know. I know the Grillos. Yeah. She knew his first wife, and I said, but John and Ann babysat. They were like the grandparents. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember them babysitting? Or was oh, yeah. it mostly the boys? Honestly, his funeral was the first one I could ever remember. Is that wild? So he had, because he died shortly after they moved back out on the island. And um, she would have been, yeah, she said that's the first funeral she really remembers is going to John's funeral. So the boys, her older brothers, are the ones they. Anyway, pardon that family business. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to meet her and to learn that. I can't wait to talk to her at the break. So some dear folks. And interestingly enough, talking about hospitality, they were a great example of that. So we can add that in the lesson. But let's uh, pray and um, get started. Lord, thank you so much for these ladies and this, this um, church that has um, just given their body the opportunity this morning to come and to be fed and hear your word. Lord, we're so thankful for that freedom. We're so thankful for the gospel. And I pray now this morning that you would use my words and use this lesson to really point us to Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so this subject is very near and dear to my heart. Um, hospitality. And it's, I hope, one that, that you are already practicing, but I hope that even if you are, you'll hear some things today that will um, make it even sweeter and maybe help you to step it up a notch in what you're already doing. Um, what is hospitality? Well, let's start with what it is not. It is not simply entertaining. It's not just opening your home and trying to put on the best dinner party you can or throw the best kid's birthday party on the block. Those things are good and they're fun and I've been known to do them many times in my life, but that is not true biblical hospitality. Um, it can take on various forms, but the bottom line here is that hospitality is an attitude and an action that overflows naturally out of a believer's heart in life. It is an attitude and action that overflows naturally out of a believer's heart in life, and um, it can take on various forms. So our first point today is hospitality and the gospel. If you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, the gospel and hospitality, and I want us to see the reason we do what we do, not only in the area of hospitality, but in every area of our Christian walk. It's the gospel. The gospel is of first importance. 
look at 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Now I would remind you, Paul says to the church in Corinth, brothers, so he's speaking to Christians here, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Ladies, that is the gospel, and Paul says here, I delivered to you that which is of first importance. And not only were you saved by that gospel, but you still stand in that gospel. And this is a concept that perhaps you will look at me cross-eyed and say, I can't believe you didn't know that. But 15 years ago or so, it was the most liberating, transforming thing that I learned in my entire Christian walk. I had been a Christian for many, many, many years, four decades before I learned this. I relegated the gospel to unbelievers. I would put it neatly up on a shelf, and whenever I would need to share the gospel, which I consider to be of utmost importance, I would share it with non-believers, and that's how people got saved. What I missed was, that's how I lived my Christian life, and that's what motivates us. And unless we have the cross as our focus and a gospel-centered focus in our lives, it becomes nothing more than a legalistic, works-oriented, Let's get uh, see if we can earn favor, not salvation. We know we would never say that we are saved by works. We are saved by grace. But I lived my Christian life in a way that my performance would make it or break it in the way that God was pleased with me or not. And so this liberated me, and it was just precious to me when I got it. So if you've gotten that already in your Christian walk, then praise the Lord. You're way ahead of where I was. But it's always good to be reminded of the gospel because it is of first importance. And so we cannot separate the areas of our sanctification from the gospel, and the hospitality is no different than that. Let me just say to you, first of all, I do not know any of you. I've just met a few of you, and I would never, ever, ever take that gospel that we're about to apply to believers and not take it and apply it to non-believers. So if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're here today and you say, I just was invited as a visitor, or I have been deceived and I may not be saved, know that, that is, Jesus is your only hope and that you are a sinner in need of the Savior. And just as that verse said, Christ Jesus came and he was uh, died for our sins he was buried and he was raised again on the third day believe that and trust him for your salvation and forgiveness of sins but if you are a believer already remember that it is for you so how in the world are we tying hospitality to the gospel I want everybody to turn to Ephesians 2 and remember what was done for us Ephesians 2 verses 12 and 13. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near how? By the blood of Christ, the gospel. Skip down to 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. 
Ladies, if you're born again today, if you are a child of God, please, please remember that you were once alienated from God. You were a stranger. We were far, far off. But the gospel, the blood of Christ, has brought us near. Praise God. That is hospitality. We have been recipients of immeasurable, incredible hospitality from a very kind and loving God. Hospitality that we did not deserve. So we take that in light of the gospel, the hospitality that has been shown to us, and we show that to others. And we, we exhibit that same kind of hospitality to them. Jesus himself used homes, used homes to teach and preach, as did the disciples in the early church. I'll read the verse in Acts. You don't have to turn to it. Acts 5.42 if you're taking notes. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ, the Christ is Jesus. And then we know from 3 John that the believers were housing and being hospitable to those who were workers in the kingdom of God. We'll look at a verse about that later. So throughout scripture, we see not only Jesus and the disciples, but many other examples of hospitality being shown. Let's look at a few of those I gave um, you a sheet that some of you got little uh, papers with references on it. If you could, who has, um, oh, actually, no, I'm going to do that one. Sorry, sorry. Second Kings, turn with me to a couple of things and then you'll start reading. Second Kings 4. verses 8 through 10. <clears throat> One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. That is incredible hospitality. Now, she was a rich woman, granted, and, but she got, not only did she have it in her heart, she got her husband on board. It's kind of like she was Airbnb before there was an Airbnb. <laughs> but it was free. It was even better than an Airbnb because it was all free. So she, not only did she see, okay, this is, and there were, look, ladies, no hotels, no Airbnbs. It was rough travel. And so he would go that way all the time, and she knew that he was a man of God. It's great she fed him. That was wonderful to build a room on top of your house for him. That's incredible hospitality. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, numerous times we see, and probably many, many more that we don't have recorded, they showed incredible hospitality to Jesus and to the disciples. They cared for them. How about Lydia? Turn to Acts 16. This is one of my favorite um, stories because we see what follows her salvation immediately. Look at Acts 16, verses 14 and 15. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, 
If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. She insisted. So God opened Lydia's heart. And what did she do immediately? She opened her house. Hospitality should be a natural outflowing of our Christian lives. Even in that same chapter, the Philippian jailer, scared to death when Paul and Silas were free, just go ahead and kill me right now because they're going to kill me if you don't. And they said, don't worry, don't worry. And as he had heard the gospel from them and he was saved, then he went into his household and they were saved. He says, come, come. And not only is it just, hey, now I've been saved, I really just want to be, you know, this kindness is flowing out of my heart. Think of the needs that he met. These guys had been in prison. That was not a nice place. It's not a nice place now, but it was a spe especially not a nice place then. They were probably very hungry and dirty and tired, and he takes them into his house. Who has 3 John 5 and 6? 3 John verse 5 and 6, okay? Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Wow. It's the brothers and sisters taking care of other brothers and sisters that they didn't know. Strangers passing through, they have testified of your love before the church. You are doing a great job. That is hospitality. And then look in Luke 7. I want us to see a negative example of hospitality, how you don't do it. Look in Luke 7. Verses 36 through 48. Quite a lengthy passage. Savannah, do you have that? Yeah. Luke 7, 36 through 48. You want to read that for us? Please? Sure. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And when he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table... And he went in too. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this woman were a prophet... If this man were a prophet, you would have known who and what sort of woman this is and who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said, You have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. 
And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. I mean, what, that just gives you chills. Think of uh, so many aspects to that, to unpack. But, you know, why would this Simon, this Pharisee, have Jesus in his home? Maybe he wanted to trip him up on something. Maybe it was just he was kind of the, you know, the popular figure and curiosity of the, the day and, and the hour. And Simon thought, yeah, I'm just going to bring him in and see what this does for my popularity or how people react or whatever the reason. It was obviously not to show hospitality. I mean, he fed Jesus, yeah, but this was not real hospitality. Jesus' point to Simon is, this one, you, Simon, you, you Pharisees have this wrong notion that God hates sinners. And this woman, isn't it interesting? Where everyone in, except for Jesus, everyone in this room, in this home, in this story, in this city, everyone is a sinner except for Jesus. But isn't it interesting that Luke says... A, this woman who was a sinner, so she was a really bad sinner, if they're saying, pointing out her sin, probably a prostitute, somebody that everyone would have known in the town, that she had absolutely no reason to be there. And I was reading about this, actually, refreshing my memory even this morning, and they would go, it's like, how did this lady get in his house? But it was customary that the poor people would come in because there was such, you know, extravagant feast served and, and plenty of food that they would kind of come in and get the scraps and get some food the, the people that couldn't didn't have anything to eat and so that's sort of what she's doing but Simon is saying do you have any idea Jesus not saying I'm sorry Simon is thinking if you read it carefully do you have any idea Jesus who this is and why in the world are you even giving her the time of day and Jesus who knows all things says to Simon I got you, buddy. I know what you're thinking, and I know that you are dead wrong, and this lady has done. This This is, when you, you didn't do any of these things for me. Do you want to know hospitality? You did nothing of this for me, but you didn't do this, but this lady has done this. She has shown her incredible love for me by doing what she did. Lady, your sins are forgiven. Simon didn't get it. He is a bad example of hospitality. But this woman is a wonderful example of that. Now, let's look at what we've seen these biblical examples. So let's look at what the Bible actually says about hospitality. This is the hospitality, hospitality commands. Do we have Romans 12, 13? I do. Mm-hmm. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I love that because it's not just show hospitality. Mm. It is seek to show hospitality. See, a lot of times I'm okay when I've got it, you know, all set up at my house and I, I know that it's planned and and somebody comes in and I'm showing hospitality, but this says, don't just kind of let it happen. You seek to show it. You go out and you find people that need hospitality, mm-hmm. and you do it to them. Seek it. Don't wait on it to come to you. Don't wait on the pastor to say, can you host such and such? Don't wait on your husband to say, it's time to have some people over. 
you seek to show it. It doesn't always naturally happen. And so that's why another reason we are told to seek it. We are to show it, but we are to be on the lookout and seeking to do it all the time. 1 Peter 4, 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Okay. Mine says grumbling. Some of you say complaining. I think you get the idea. My, that is the verse. I always laugh and say, you know how how you, you want to walk around and put it on your mirrors, and you, some people have Bible verses all over the house. I need it like hanging on a, those the glasses that you attach to your glasses. I need it on this side of that so that I can constantly be seeing that verse. Show hospitality without grumbling. Because you see, you can ask Savannah, and I'm not here to toot my own horn. I'm not doing this as a way of pride. I'm saying I desperately need help in the area of hospitality because... Showing it is not my problem. I do show it. We are very hospitable. I need this verse. I need to show it without grumbling. Because it does not matter. You try to show hospitality, you do what that says in Romans 12, 13 and seek to show it. I'm telling you, whether it's a kid or an adult, they're going to spill cranberry juice on your <laughs> white tablecloth. Or worse yet, your white carpet. You can throw away the tablecloth but your white carpet. And they're going to break your great aunt's um, rocking chair as, as we still have the broken one that I keep trying to convince my husband to throw away from literally 25 years ago a youth group that was at our house from another church. And they broke the back. It doesn't rock. You can't have, it's kind of like a three-legged dog. I mean, you can't have a rocking chair that has one whatever that is in the back. It doesn't rock. But we have the piece. It won't glue right, but he won't throw it away because it's an heirloom. But you know what? That is a reminder to me. Literally, every time I walk in my basement and see that pathetic broken rocking chair, it is show hospitality without grumbling. Show hospitality without grumbling. My doorbell will ring on a Sunday, and I will open the door. And thankfully, this doesn't happen quite as much anymore, but it used to happen actually quite a lot. And I would open the door, and there would be this nice couple there that I might know or might not who had just come to the church that day. Or it might be a family from the church, or it might be a single person from the church. Nonetheless, whoever it was or however many people were standing there, the, the phrase out of their mouth would be, Ed told us to come over for lunch. And I said, well, <laughs> good. Uh, what, you know, and in my, in, I mean, I'm thinking, like Simon, I'm thinking, well, I hope Ed has food for you because I don't. You know. And so that's the type of thing I'm talking about, to be hospitable without grumbling. And let me tell you, if... Peter would not have said this. I think we need to remember in Scripture, when there's something said like this, here's this, this, is that a prepositional phrase? I don't know, it's without a preposition, prepositional yeah. phrase right there. Peter wouldn't have added that if it was not a tendency or a temptation to grumble. It would have just simply said, show hospitality to one another. But it was necessary to add that prepositional phrase because we are guilty of grumbling. <clears throat> I can tell you, I, I you know, I just I don't want to keep going on that point, but I could because there's so many things. I will stand there in my kitchen and I'll and, and let me tell you, I've learned that'll be one of our practical points later, but I'm gonna say it now lest I forget it. Don't ever don't ever think it's an entertainment business. You are 
trying to incorporate these people. If you're doing it in your home, you're incorporating them into your life. That's the point. You are trying to build community and relationships with them. Do not hesitate to ask them to chop the cucumbers for the salad. Do not hesitate to ask them to set the table and to bring the dishes to you because the times of grumbling that I have that are worse is when they're all sitting down in there in the living room chatting away and I'm around in the kitchen and I'm washing every last dish going, can't believe these people. Why? You know, so don't be like that. Don't grumble like I do. If you're going to have trouble with grumbling like that and you really are going to mind doing the dishes later, hey, welcome to my home. Come on and help me. Let's do this thing together. I never do. I said, I never mind asking for help, do I? Yeah. You may not always get it. But I, never, I don't ever mind asking. So, huge one. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Who has Hebrews 13 too? Someone said me. No. Oh, read that. All right, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Now, that last part would be a really fun lesson, interesting for the day. Actual angels? I don't know. A lot of times I've thought so when these people showed up at my doors. Perhaps they're just actually angels, and they really weren't at church that morning, but they're, uh, they're a test to me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to, dis- to <laughs> debate the whole angel uh, theology there, doctrine. The point that I'm making... And I think the point we need to take from Hebrews 13.2 is the command in the first half of the verse. It's do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And that, go back to the gospel. What were we? We were strangers. We were alienated. We were far away, far off, but we have been brought near. Um, we, I, I was laughing with Savannah. I said, I've taught this lesson on hospitality several times before, but the Lord has a way of, you have to redo the lesson because you have different illustrations or the Lord is doing different things in your life. So on that particular point of strangers, usually the people we have, we don't know them well, um, but we pretty much know everybody that is coming through. I'd say there have been, I don't know, eight or 10% of the people that we've just never met that we are happy to house that come in. Well, on one particular night, last summer, we had a call from our son who lives in Georgia, and he said, hey, um, could you guys house a couple of my friends from college? It's a young married couple, and they are heading to do like some mission work in another country. They're flying through JFK, and their plane got canceled. Or they didn't make it in time from Atlanta to make the plane, whatever. They are really desperate. They reached out on Facebook, and they just wanted to see before they get a hotel, could you guys house them? We said, you know, we got a house full of college interns for the summer, but we're going to make it work, Parker. Yes, that's us. You know, we're, we're always, we're on top of that hospitality. We're going to make this thing work. We're going to, I don't know, kick somebody out of my bed. They slept in your room, actually. I don't know. They weren't home then, I guess. I don't know where you were. But um, you were married, so you wouldn't have been lost. You weren't there anymore. Yeah. So, so they came. They, 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 I mean, they, they, we said, that's yeah, great. They can come. We'll make a bed for them. Not five minutes later, Parker called. I answered. I was upstairs frantically changing the sheets. Mom, I have made a terrible mistake. I, this is bad. I said, what is wrong, Parker? He goes, they have their dog with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ones of you who didn't gasp, you should have. Because we are not dog people. 
people. And the dogs we had in South Carolina 28 years ago were beautiful, outside, humongous Labrador retrievers that don't belong inside. And we live in New York now where you only have inside pets or none at all, and we don't like dogs. We really don't like cats. And so we don't have animals in our home. And Savannah can absolutely attest to that. So here we are. We've got two human strangers, and we've got a canine stranger. And he said, you got to let me know something, because they're sitting outside your door in an Uber right now. And I said, oh, goodness gracious. And I run down the steps, and I tell Ed, and he's just like a dog. And therefore, not, not only was this all bad enough, we had a visiting pastor who was preaching at our church that night with his sons, and our youth pastor all watching this unfold right there. And it's like, we can't say what we might have said if nobody had been there. So we're trying to remain calm. And finally, Ed said, tell them to come in. So they come in with their dog, who thankfully was this breed that doesn't shed and blah, 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 whatever. I don't know. And that was our first dog in our house. But it wasn't the last because the Lord was still working on us. So last month, a friend, a, a, an acquaintance, I'd never met the people. Ed had met the man once from Maine. They had traveled their whole family down to Georgia to get a dog. I'm from Georgia. I love the state of Georgia. But I can assure you I'd never get a dog from the state of Georgia and drive it all the way back to the Northeast. What gives there? I don't know. They did that, though. They took a huge road trip. And, and, and I'm talking way up in Maine. I'm talking like a 20-something hour drive. No dog is worth this. I don't understand <laughs> They bring the dog back. They said, we need a place to stay. And by the way, we'll have our new puppy with us. Well, you know what new puppies are not? They're not house trained. Let me just say that. We went through this again. I've belabored this point to tell you ladies that twice, I told Savannah, I said, I think we're starting a dog hotel because twice in the last year, the Lord has given us that opportunity. Something that we would have never done. Something that we have a very strong feeling about. And the Lord has stretched us and said, Get over yourselves. They're not ripping your furniture apart. That dog didn't have that much coming out of him. You can wipe it up with a paper towel. It's okay, and chill out about it. And we had a delightful visit with both of those families, and we know new people now because of that. They were strangers. They were desperate. They and their canine friends needed a place to stay. And the Lord gave us room and gave us finally a heart of not grumbling to have them. I, I want to say that I have conquered that because I really don't want to be tested again with that. However, <laughs> it, it may not be over, and I say that seriously. So do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. 1 Timothy 3, 1 and 2. <clears throat> Someone should have that. Oh, it's me. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. That's good. Okay, so we'll say we'll we'll we'll, we'll always hear those things. Oh, they have to you know have self-control. This this is the the office of an overseer, a bishop, an elder, a pastor. Oh, they need to have this. Oh, they remember they have to be able apt to teach or able to teach. And well, you know you better you better just be a one woman man or the husband of one wife. However you want to you know describe that. We always miss that hospitable somehow. We just kind of overlook that. That's a qualification for an elder, and. 
I really, I've, I've just met pastor's wife. I don't know who else in here might be elders' wives, and I'm not in any way trying to point fingers or step on toes because I don't know any of you. But I will say that that is like a given that the elders of the church should be showing, should be absolutely bending over backwards to show hospitality. And again, this is not just in the form of having people in their home, but that is one way it, it takes. I was disturbed as I could be one year on vacation when I met another pastor's wife from somewhere down south. And she and I were chatting, and we live in a parsonage. Thankfully, we have one because New York prices are very, very high, cost of living. We have a parsonage, and I guess I would maybe be singing a different tune now if the, the parsonage had been right smack dab next to the church, because I know that's where most of them are. I'm about a half mile from the church, so it's greatly convenient, but it hasn't been inconvenient, really, because you, nobody can just knock on your door in the middle of the night saying, I forgot my Bible, I need to get in the church. Not that, you know, don't not that, that. people still don't <laughs> knock on our door, right, but, but, but the, the, you know, being not next to the church has, has probably been a blessing in, in some ways, just to, you know, not have to do everything, but we are so close to the church and we love opening our home and it is always open and our church people know that and this lady it, it just broke my heart she said oh yeah we lived in a parsonage but thankfully we've been able to buy our own home i understand that about the equity and that's a good thing but it's been the most wonderful thing because we've moved about seven miles away from the church and we're really far out and when i go home at night it is the most wonderful thing. I now can just pull my blinds and I take my phone off the hook and we just don't have to be bothered all night. And I'm thinking, I believe you or your husband might be in the wrong profession because that is not how an elder and his family should operate. I want to close my blinds. Now, is there time when you should, you, you know, value family time? Absolutely, those things. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about the events of your life, the attitude of your heart. Are you wanting and desirous to open up your shades and to answer your phone and to open up your heart and your home to people. That's the point. Let's all turn to Luke 14. Wait, I'm sorry, I think I see the page. Hang on, hang on. Nope, I didn't. Okay, let's all turn to, um, to Luke 14. And I'll read this for us. 14, 12 through 14. He said also to the man who had invited him, when, not if, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also then invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Don't ever be guilty of saying things like, you know, they never had us over. I've had her in for coffee multiple times so far in my house and she has never mentioned me once coming to her house don't do it to be reciprocated or repaid and don't be guilty of only having your clique of friends or even new people in the church who you see and you think I've got a lot in common with them you know she knows she knows John Grillo I think I'm going to get to know her well I do want to know her because I don't know her yet but you know what I mean don't just gravitate to people that have something in common with you Maybe you're an older couple like we are now, and you don't have little kids at home, and you think, oh, I've gotten rid of all the stains on my carpets. I just can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And moms with lots of little children running around, 
It's okay. People have lived it. You can too. You can do it. Don't ever um, make excuses and don't be guilty of having your own little clique of friends. Go way beyond that. And don't ever, ever, ever do it for reciprocation or repayment because, ladies, we can never repay God. And he gives and he gives and he gives and he gives. We would never be able to repay him, and he is not looking for it. So we have seen the gospel and, and hospitality. We have seen biblical examples of hospitality. We have seen the commands of hospitality in the Bible. And now let's look at practicing hospitality. I think one of their many books out, but one of the best ones recently is Rosario, better name, Butterfield. Rosario. And and if you've read it, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Mm -hmm. Excellent book. I've only read a few chapters of it, but it's so good so far. And um, like when I'm just with think, yeah, I'm pretty good at this hospitality stuff. Then you read something like that, and it is really radical, and you're like, mm -hmm. that is not where I am right now. I got a long way. Like the dog thing is putting me up a notch, but it's like <laughs> I got to get way over to be on her level. But that's not. We're not trying to get on each other's levels, but we are trying to practice radical hospitality. And, and that's what, it, it's a wonderful, just the title itself, the gospel comes with a housekeeper. Mm -hmm. Or just leave the door unlocked. Why, you know, it's like I, I, I can't give out any more keys. Just, we just leave the door unlocked and it's, it's okay. Your home and your stuff is not, it's not okay. I'm not saying you have to do that. We do. <laughs> We're dumb. We do. We live in New York City, and we do. We've started locking it, just so you'll know, to be a little safer. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend you leaving it unlocked, but figuratively, you leave your house unlocked. Um, our culture's mentality is that our lives and our homes are private. Now, I am not suggesting that we combine all our goods and move into a commune. That is not what I'm saying. But I do think we need to make a very important distinction. The Christian life is personal. It is not private. It is personal, not private. And that's a big, big, big difference. So don't buy into the lies of our society. We must be willing to open our blinds and our hearts and our homes and our lives to others. Just in our own lives, the background that we come from, Ed and I, why we love it so much, it was modeled so very well in front of us, and we have been the recipients of it. I don't mean just by the gospel and by from the Lord, but he has used human means to show us incredible hospitality, uh, giving us places to stay, giving Ed a homes to stay in before we were married so he could save money. Um, our parents both showing hospitality to people. Um, we just saw it modeled, and we desired to do it. Now, how do you do it? Where? When? You say, you keep talking about houses. I don't even have a home. Or I live with my in-laws. Or I rent a room in a small house where I can't bring people in. I know those are problems that you can overcome. Maybe you can't use your home. We had a man in our church. He was a retired postal worker. His name was Wally McKenzie, and he had to eventually move to Massachusetts for a cheaper um, cost of living. But he was known as Wally the Diner Guy because Wally just lived in like a basement room. He rented from someone in Queens. He couldn't bring people in his home. He couldn't fit anybody even if he could have. But Wally consistently met with gentlemen at the diner or a couple if you wanted to take them out. Wally the Diner Guy showed the just incredible hospitality without a home. 
you can, you can make things happen. Taking meals to people in your church family that are hurting. Um, what a great way not only to bless them, but what about unsafe family members? I remember on several occasions going when there had been a death in the family and, and, and a lot of unsaved family members being around and they see this great witness in this show of love and hospitality. Just meet somebody out somewhere for coffee or tea. It doesn't have to be something fancy. Again, this is not entertainment. This is genuine biblical hospitality where you are having sweet fellowship together or you are using it as a means to share the gospel. The holidays are a great time. If you do have um, a home and you know that Thanksgiving and Christmas are coming right around the corner and you know that there are people that don't have family close by, please use that time to invite someone. It is so important. And, and you know what? Your whatever, your in-laws will get over it if, if, if they're coming to your house for Christmas too. It's okay. Introduce them to your new friends. Say, we're going to show great hospitality this year. It's a perfect time to do that. I want to tell you that I'm going to have a sad, sad Christmas with a spot at our table that was normally taken up by a lady in our church named Pat Montanero. Pat was not very socially astute. She would talk a lot. She was a dear church member long before we got to Queens. She had been a member of North Shore Baptist. She was a school teacher, retired, never married, had multiple health problems. And it seemed like pulling teeth every year. We would ask her because we didn't want her to be alone. It seemed like pulling teeth. And it was, quite honestly, would have been easier just to say, forget it. Let her just keep on with her pity parties. And I would just finally call her toward, I would, I would say, Pat, you know we love you. You're going to need to just make a decision. I'm not going to argue with you. You know we love you and our table. We have a seat for you. And we want you to be with us because we want to do Christmas with you. But I'm not going to sit here and go back and forth with you. You come if you want to, and we'll even give you a ride. Sure enough, I would get a call on Christmas you know, Eve. I think I will come. You know, I wasn't going to go. I, I, you know, I was going to stand my ground. I'm not accompanying the, I mean, uh, what am I trying to say? Allowing the pity parties. But man, she came, and it was a sweet time. And she was there this past December. And she died in January. But my son stood up at her funeral, and he said, I have the sweetest memory from that Christmas this Christmas, she read a book to my son, my grandson, and I remember Pat being with me when I was a little boy on all these Christmases. She's in heaven now. I don't have to cook for Pat anymore, but man, what a joy and what a sweet memory that was. Ask someone like that for the holidays. It will bless your heart and it will bless your family. Host a Bible study or a small group. Have a dessert fellowship. Make it easy. Use your crock pots. Make sandwiches. We're not looking for gourmet seven-course meals. We're not looking to look like Pinterest. We just want to have sweet hospitality and fellowship. What are the benefits to other people, those receiving? What, what are just, yell out, a couple of obvious benefits to those that are receiving your hospitality? Social relations. Social, yeah. Socialization. They get like Pat, who had nobody, but she could come and just enjoy that and sing with us and pray with us and eat and laugh, read books to kids. Socialization. What else? I feel like they're part of a family. Feel like they're part of a family. Comfort. Comfort. Love. Love. Encouragement. How about just food? Maybe somebody's just hungry and they need a meal. You're meeting physical needs. I think it could be an opportunity to 
like you may not know if there's something going on with that person, but mm-hmm. just a get together can expose mm-hmm. like sin or discouragement or needs that they have that you wouldn't have known other if Absolutely. you were just like going through the directory and starting with the A's and going every week like we're going to have someone over Yeah, you're just going to hit that person who really needed it and you wouldn't know unless you just sat together mm-hmm. Amen. because passing in church you're just not going to get the same thing that you're going to get around your table <clears throat> spiritual growth for them maybe they hear the gospel those have been some of the sweetest times in our over the 27 years sitting at that table in my dining room of Ed going through the gospel presentation. He does one on paper and having a meal with someone and sharing the gospel with them. You can't do that kind of, I'm from Georgia. You can't do that kind of stuff down south. They all, you want, you think I'm not saved. But in New York, it's like, oh, I want to come. come to, I want you to come to our house. So we want to do a Bible study with you and tell you what the gospel is. Okay. You know, they'll come. They don't care. <clears throat> and it's wonderful. What about benefits to us? What does it do for you if you're the one giving the hospitality? You're not doing it to, to receive these benefits, but what are some of the benefits from it? New friends. New friends. You're blessed. More blessed. You are so are. blessed. Mm-hmm. So blessed. Again, it, it's tough if you're cleaning the grape juice off the white carpet, but ultimately you are more blessed, yes. And you are washing the dishes, but you are blessed. You're being obedient. You're being obedient. That's right. Go ahead. It gives you a chance for, it allows a more clear picture for um, you to kind of see where your own heart's at. So you can, because if you're not cleaning up the grape juice off the floor, you could easily just be like, oh yeah, it's fine. We have people over all the time. It's so easy. We just do this, we do that. But then when stuff gets outside of your personal comfort bubble and you're doing things that you're like, is going on here your heart does start grumbling and complaining and it reveals something even about like just areas that were currently being sanctified for your own personal sanctification that's incredible absolutely um missionaries passing through what wonderful stories and you know things that my children could learn from different cultures and their stories we have a summer intern program with college kids coming into our house and and some other houses in our church we've done that since 2005 or 6 and They've been, a lot of them have been great examples of, of just role models that I could say to my kids, look. And then there have been some that I can say, please do not act like those. Don't ever do that. Yeah. And you see when you're living with somebody for three three months, you know, do they have that worldliness draw or are they really Christ-like? And it was a great tool for us as teaching tool that was dropped in our laps as parents. Plus, we got actually three, the three married kids all married Interns. So there you go. I got I got some really great in-laws out of it. Uh, two great daughters-in-law and one great um, son-in-law. Um, and and I think the joy then, if you, if I carry it a little bit further, go one generation down. It is my joy in watching my children do it. There are things that we do as parents, and if you don't have yet grown kids and you have little ones, trust me that when they get older, they're going to 
be not, maybe not quick, but they don't mind sometimes telling you what they think you did wrong as parents, <laughs> and the things that they won't do for sure that you did. I can tell you, we're not, you know, gonna blah blah blah. And I said, well, you're your own person now. You're, you're you're an adult. You can do what you want. It's your family, and you try to like swallow that, and you think, what are they gonna do? to run the other direction of what you did, basically. And I can tell you that I always kind of had this like little fear in the back of my head. They're gonna all eat lunch, I'm sorry. We're gonna we're almost to the end. This little fear in the back gnawing at my head, in head saying, you have like, this has been way over the top, this hospitality, and they're not gonna do that when they get out of the house. But praise God, that is not the case. Because they are Christians. And they see... <laughs> and they, they know that this is biblical. And they're not doing it out of duty. They're doing it with gospel motivation. Because they love to do it. And it wasn't always perfect at our house. But it was always done together. It wasn't moms throwing a dinner party. It was... We got Bible study in an hour, and you guys grab the broom, because we're all in this thing together. And it was a really, I hope, Savannah, a really fun, just say yes, it was. It was a really, really wonderful, I don't think I've ever taught this one, like one of my kids. It was a really wonderful way to for our family to experience that. And I, I am so grateful to the Lord when I walk in their homes, and I know that they are preparing for a small group or they are having somebody new that is has been visiting their church, or they are hosting uh, the Easter dinner that nobody else you know, is going to host at their church. And I am blessed beyond measure as a mom. Look, one more, one more scripture, Matthew 25, and we'll finish with this. <clears throat> ultimately, ladies, ultimately, all we do, we do it unto Christ. Matthew 25, 34 through 36. <clears throat> then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then in verse 40, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it under one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. The question is simple, ladies. Are you practicing hospitality without grumbling? If not, take your reasons or your excuses and work through them and around them and figure out how to do it to the glory of God. If you are practicing it, keep it up. Always be striving to improve and do more. A true Christian, ladies, is one that does what it hears. And we've heard the word. Let's be doers of the word. Never lose sight of the gospel. Remember that you were strangers and aliens far off from God, and he brought you near by the blood of Christ. Let's go out and do the same. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these sweet, sweet ladies and this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us hospitality. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the gospel. And now may it be the means and the motivation for us to live out this area of our Christian life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I was supposed to pray for lunch. God, thank you so much for our sister Anna and her faithful teaching about this truth of hospitality that is throughout Scripture and that is so clear in the Gospel. Thank you for this truth that we have received today. Bless it for our bodies, the spiritual food, and then also the physical food we're about to receive. Thank you for the hospitality of 
Marlene and Mel and Shirley-Ann for getting the food for us, and we just pray that they would be encouraged by the way they've served us. Mm -hmm. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Amen.